Well, the, the scoreboard said I lost today, but what the scoreboard doesn't say is what it is I have found. Studios for June 25th, 2022. I'm Nima Naderi alongside Parsa Sami, and we're here this week to preview the Wimbledon Championships. Before we begin our show, let's introduce our co-host, Parsa. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Parsa, I mean, we've been at this for a while. Been bringing everybody Grand Slam coverage since 2008. We're at the third major of the season. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines as always and uh, can't wait to get into it and the lawns of London are calling and Monday morning Djokovic is going to open up this whole thing and uh, let's see what we get to but first of all I mean obviously great to talk to you as always um, and what what are your initial thoughts I mean is this you know no pun intended as always but is this a pointless championship based on the fact that there is no points obviously for the players and is that going to allow everybody to be loose? Because I think that's a very interesting dynamic, right? Because in that sense, the pressure is off because both the ATP and WTA are not awarding points. So is that going to affect the players who have points to defend compared with the players like a Nadal, like a Serena? Actually, Serena did play last year, but she lost early. But that can just come out there and swing for the fences and have all this experience and uh, you know do really well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, regarding the points, I mean, I'm not sure players can quantify it. It's Wimbledon, you know, it's like the, the tournament that you dream of when you're a kid. And it's like this this fantasy place um, where they play tennis on these green courts, green grass lawn courts. And, you know, the strawberries and cream and everything's very proper and you have to wear all white. So I, I'm not sure that, you know, it's not going to have the same aura just because it doesn't hold the points. I think it's it's all about prestige um, and much less to do about the points. And I think ultimately that's what the players will be focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of recap, I and mean, we didn't get a chance to talk, but, you know, Rafa winning again at the French Open, you know, and he's now won the first two slams playing a very limited schedule. And when he gets out there, he's just as good as he's ever been. He moves probably half speed of what he used to um but his hitting ability his ability to change heights now paces spins serves second serves plus his trademark uh, tenacity and never say die attitude it's like a horrible combination like I, and anima i have an interesting question regarding that for you would you take and maybe this is an easy question but would you build your player exactly like Rafa Nadal is today, minus the injuries, or would you take the young speedster of um, without any of the the sort of know-how and, and the, the serve and all that kind of things of you know 20 years ago? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I would say that it's all about the process. So, you know, when you look at Nadal, I was looking at some footage of him playing Andy Roddick, 
in the 2004 Davis Cup Finals. And if you saw him, he was like a little gazelle out there, right? Yep. Running on everything, grinding, you know, open stance, backhands, cross court. Like that was what he, what he was doing when he was younger. You know, serve was obviously just spinning it in. Forehand was huge, you know, super tenacious, kind of like Alcaraz is right now. I would say that I would start from the beginning because at the beginning it was awfully good. Yeah. And it's uh, and you just know that this guy is going to figure it out because that's just how he was born and bred, right? And uh, so I would I would definitely, you know, take it from the top <laughs> and and just let it let it progress till today because. So you, you want know, it all. <laughs> yeah, because you got a you got a guy who's listen. He you know he started you know winning slams when he was nineteen, in his te- as a teenager in his twenties, and now in his thirties, over his mid thirties, and he's still winning Grand Slams. He's winning the French Open. I mean, listen, he beat Djokovic, an amazing match. I mean, then Zarev, super tough conditions, and unfortunately Zarev had to withdraw there. And then he goes into the finals and he smokes Rude like effortlessly and you know Rude's obviously a younger guy playing well first slam final he had a five setter with Felix um it's just the guy is remarkable unbelievable and 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 adaptive that's what I mean it's like the game is very different than he won his first French Open and he's a great volleyer he's a he's amazing at returning serve uh I mean who's to say that he's not gonna win Wimbledon I mean, if you look, we'll get into the draw in a bit, but as everybody knows by now, we're not like, you know, cracking a code here. He's number two seed, so he's on the complete other side of the draw from Joker. Uh, so he's, you know, finals, right? It's, so it's, he's, got, he's got an opportunity. If he can steer clear, he's got a pretty good draw. You know, if, if you said to him, listen, you're going to win the first two slams of the year, you're going to go into the finals, to face Djokovic, you don't have to play him in the semis or quarters. I think he's going to take that and see what happens. And, you know, there's a lot on the line for him, just like it was for Djokovic last year when he had won the first two legs and he came in and he won Wimbledon against Berrettini, then heading into New York. So I, I love this for Nadal. I think he's going to relish it. Really just depends on his foot. I mean, the movement on grass, as, as we both know, they've really slowed it down. It's not that fast of a surface as it used to be like in the 90s when like Philippoussis and Ruzeski were playing with Sampras and now it's like it's very doable in saying that he hasn't won the tournament since well like 2010 so it's been like 12 years since he hasn't won the event um where I think even reached the finals he hasn't been he's he hasn't really played in a couple years and then he hasn't really done that well and lost relatively early for his standards uh, so it's it's anything is possible, but if if there's any year to do it, it's going to be this year because you talk about momentum, and you talk about some guys not being around like Medvedev, like Zarev, and I think that this looks really good for Rafa. And and an improved game too, to his credit, you know he he can play the fast courts definitely better and dictate more than he used to. I think that's also going to be a factor. It, yeah, it, it always is, and he's such a great return of serve player now. He's very hard to ace. Statistically, I think Courier was saying that he gets the most balls back in the court, right? So he's, um, you know, like it's this guy's is, is a phenomenal athlete and player. Um, so we'll get we'll get to the men the the men's draw in a bit, but 
Parsons, I'd like to hear what you think about Serena Williams coming back to action. She hasn't played in a year. She came back last week in Eastbourne. I believe they won a couple of rounds with Ons Jabir, and uh, then uh, Jabir had to retire with a knee injury. Um, so now Serena goes into you know, the first major that she's played in, in, in a year, going for her 24th career Grand Slam at the age of 40. Um, tough, very tough, tough ask. But what are your thoughts overall? Fitness, prep, why she's even here? What do you think? You know, that that I can't determine, Nima. I, you know, I was asking you off air, you know, like what's the motivation for Serena at this point? And, I mean, you alluded to, you know, her, you know, wanting to, you know, this is what she knows and this is this is part of what it is for her. I think she's pretty determined to try to get the, the, the most ever. Um, I think that's what ultimately her motivation is and to try to see if she can put it together. It's just, just the thing that, that has to improve with her is she just has to, like, and I don't say this in like a bad way. She's, she's a mom, like there's a lot of things going on, but like you have to be in optimal peak condition to be a professional athlete you know you can't it's very hard to you know even do what Rafa's doing but Rafa's still 36 right he just turned 36 and he's still yes. relatively young you look at Federer and he's all banged up for three years now you know so Serena's in that same age as as Federer and you just look at it and, and like it's very hard like if you know, because it's Serena and she's been so dominant for so long, for so much of the last 20 years, it's almost like we get upset that she loses, yet if Federer hasn't played a match in three years, you know, no one kind of notes that part of it. I don't I don't know if, if the point is coming across, but, you know, she's well past her uh, her prime. Um, yes. And, you know, she loves to play. I think that's probably why she's out there and she wants to try to win the title. I just, I'm not sure it's realistic anymore. Um, if there's a place to do it, it would be here at Wimbledon. Um, her serve is still a dominant force and her, her first shot after the serve needs to be dominant as well. And, you know, she's got to crack it and see what happens. Um, but that's what I've got for Serena here. I have no, no idea what to expect. And and she's not with Patrick Moore-Toglu anymore. Right. Is, which is interesting. He's with Halep now. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of changes. But listen, Serena is Serena. You can never, that aura and, you know, those credentials, you know, and what she's done for the game is, is you know, that's like gold stuff. Like, it's, it's always going to be there for her. And listen, if she's playing in an event, I'm, I'm happy to see it because you always want, you know, I put up a tweet uh, a couple of tweets this week that got a lot of traction. One of them was, you know, everybody should be really happy when, and should have been really happy when you had, you know, Serena and Federer and Djokovic, Nadal, and even Murray, just really winning everything. Because that builds storylines. And I think that continuity is what keeps people, you know, like that's, those are the stars, right? Those are like, even when you have a Broadway show or whatever you have, you, you, have, you have a movie, you know who's in it right like it's it's really hard to sell something when people don't know who these people are right, right. so how many people other than like diehard tennis fans know who medvedev is who know who contavit is you know even at this point like now they're starting to know who schweitek is because of 
who what she's done, right? She's she's rolling everybody. She's won two majors now. She's solidifying herself. Osaka is a household name. She hasn't really done much in a couple of years, but she has four majors and she's got this very polarizing, you know, personality and everything like that. There's if you don't have that stuff, yes, you and I will still follow because we've been in tennis for 30 years. You know, guys at your club are going to follow because they're tennis fans. But the average tennis fan is not going to care. They're going to care what Federer does because they know who he is. Even They still know who he is, even though he hasn't played in a year, a couple of years. They know who Nadal is. They know who Serena is. They still know who Sharapova is. She's not even playing, right? So that's that's kind of what you want, right? Like when you have this merry-go-round of players winning, to me, it's good, but they have to already have been established to then do that. You know what I mean? We still have, if you look at, you know, the major winners, it's, you know, it's relatively been Nadal and Djokovic for the last couple of years still, right? Djokovic won three last year, Medvedev won US, Nadal's won the next two, the first two this year. So it's still these guys, which is great. But then you have a guy like Casper Ruud in the finals. Honestly, nobody knows who he is. Let's just, let's call it what it is, right? It's like, it's just a tennis fan, you know, scenario. So that's 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 really what I think. And I, I, I believe that it's when you have, you know, players like Serena in the draw and, and Nadal back, it's can only be fantastic for the event. And um, I'm, I'm really glad to see it. Um, now moving obviously to Nadal, going now for his third straight major, which is a predicament and situation parsa, which unbelievably he has never been in which is outstanding if you think about it you know people are like yeah you know he got lucky joker which didn't play in the australian open first of all you called that he was going to win and a lot of people messaged me on twitter you know alluding to that i don't know if i told you that but no, so yeah. people were listening so that was great but um Yes, and, and that was right. and we made... right. absolutely Djokovic was the favorite. Yep. 100%. And he probably would have won. But that in no way shape or form should take away from what Nadal did because he had to get through Shapovalov in that five setter. I mean, it was just as, you know, Medvedev down two sets to love and that's his best surface. And he hasn't won the event since 2009. And he's coming back from injury after 6 months to win his worst Grand Slam. And if you remember, Nima, if you remember, we didn't have the draw then when we did that podcast and Djokovic was in at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was, you know, that's one of those things. And it was all because of the tournament the week before or two weeks before. Do you remember that? Yeah, Cressy, yeah. Yeah, and he just beat style. Like his biggest weakness when he hasn't played in a while is handling different styles. And he he handled, even though they were low ranked players, he handled all of them, um, all different kinds of styles relatively well and that's always a, a bad sign for the field um, yeah. because that just means like that's his weak his achilles heel could be that he could just you know sometimes can't adapt or used to not be able to adapt but this is what's been happening the whole year actually this is what i meant by you know his french open um triumph you know he he was he wasn't playing his normal clay court king of clay style that no, we're he's used coming to. in with his worst form. It's just bizarre, ever. but but it doesn't matter. And and once he got locked in later on in the tournament, you know, and he's just hitting that big heavy forehand. There's zero solution to it. You know, like uh, I was watching the the final and my and who, with my dad, and he's like, "Who is this guy, Rude?" You know, and and 
Also, I had mentioned Rude at the French Open podcast as someone to watch out for. Um, and I was like, no, he's really good, except he's like a righty Nadal. And Nadal, he's, it's, there's an inevitability. You watch the first four games of that match or three games of that match. It was impossible for, for Rude to win. He can't, he can't beat Nadal right now on clay. It's not, it's not happening because, and that's what's going on with Nadal right now. He's very quickly identifying what shot he has that his opponent can't respond to. And then it's over. It's just, it's just a beating until you just succumb and die. Like, otherwise it's just not happening. And that's, it was his forehand to Rude's backhand and he just peppered the crap out of it. And it just, it just, it was an inevitability there. Um, uh, Rude is a, is a world-class player and an amazing clay quarter and he can decimate people like that. And, um, at Wimbledon, it'll be a little bit trickier. Um, but watch out. Like, I'll tell everyone right now, like, watch out. If the, Here's the, the key for Nadal's Wimbledon. If he's able to serve and have a couple of plus ones, meaning serve in a forehand afterwards and win the point, or serve forehand volley, or serve backhand down the line and, and next inside-out ball, so plus one or plus two in, in coaching world, and he's dominant, let's say above 70% in those... Uh, those style of points, so that would include just the serve, just the plus one and the plus two. Watch out, he's going to win the tournament. Um, so that's the the definitely the thing to watch for. Um, and he can do it. Nadal's been, I, I watched a little practice of him and Berrettini on center court the other day, and he, it was exactly that, and he looked dominant. Um, and Berrettini's a phenomenal informed grass court player right now, and he was just sort of just toying with him. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy. You know, Parsa, I remember, you know, time flies, as they say. And I remember back in 2008, Nadal wins the French Open, demolishes Federer in the finals. It was like 6-2, 6-1, 6-love, if you remember that match. Yep. Still in the sleeve of the shirts and all that stuff. The next day, the next day, he's at Queen's Club. So he, he won the French Open on Sunday. Monday morning, he's already in London practicing on grass. He wins that tournament. Then he wins Wimbledon in arguably the greatest match ever against Federer in five sets, sun is setting, all of that, everybody knows. And it's interesting because you see the preparation that this guy and the discipline that he had to, to get there, and now he can't really do that, right? Because you know, he's been, he's older, he's got injuries and all of that stuff. And now as he's approaching it, like you said, he comes into the French Open this year with a three and two record. <laughs> That's a crazy. Three and two. And this is a six, seven week clay court season where he got Monte Carlo, he didn't play. Barcelona, he didn't play. Madrid, he played, he lost to Alcaraz, I believe. He goes into Rome, you know, his foot starts flaring up against Shapovalov loses that after demolishing him in the first set, then comes in, wins the French. His, everybody knows that his, you know, his foot was asleep and, and all that. A couple of days later, instead of being on the grass, he's on crutches. And now he's you know, had some different type of therapy. And you know, I'm not a doctor, but it looks like it's working and he's coming back. And you know, he's, he played in that Giorgio Armani uh, you know, um, exhibition and he beat Rarenka. He lost yesterday to Oje Aliassim, but it's not a three set match. It's like, it was like six, four, six, seven, three, nothing in the tie. I don't know what it is, like tiebreaker. It was like a mini tiebreaker or something like that. Anyhow, looks good, not complaining. He's walking really well. Watch out, 
That's all I can say. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a great tournament, um, and that leads us now to our next point, which is Novak Djokovic. So we have not the number one player in the world anymore, Parsa, the number three player in the world, who is actually going to drop to the number seven player in the world after this tournament because he's going to lose 2,000 points for winning Wimbledon last year, which is incredible. Djokovic coming in, wasn't allowed to play at the Australian Open, played the French. I mean, you got to take your hat off to Rafa. And, you know, Djokovic was the favorite to win a tournament. It all gets through him in four, you know, very physical sets. Comes into Wimbledon. Again, he's the unanimous odds maker's favorite to win the event. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen here because his draw is really good. I think he's got a really good draw. He's got a lot of pressure on him because he still thinks he's the man. And he is the man. And I do too. I still think he's the number. If you're looking at it this year, based on the fact of what Nadal's done, I still think he's he's the best player in the world right now. But based on the 52-week calendar, you've got to say that Djokovic is still probably the best player. Um, but it's what what do you think about Novak? I mean, he's coming in. He's two behind Rafa now in the race for the all-time major winner. Um, and he's got a lot to prove, in my opinion. Yeah, Because mean, even though he's got 20 grand slams, even though he's been number one for more than anybody ever in history... He's got a lot to prove here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, Novak is another goat, right? So he's, he's another phenomenal, incredible tennis player. Um, I didn't like that match, uh, Nima, to be honest with you. You know, when he played Rafa, I, I thought Djokovic succumbed and didn't play well. You know, one of his trademarks since he was like, you know, uh, the villain that was taking out these big-time guys and he hadn't won a slam yet was he would play these crazy insane aggressive points when his back was completely against the wall and he's down match point and just ripping shots left and right that was exactly what was missing in that quarterfinal he had opportunities all over the place with Nadal but he couldn't he couldn't put it together and I thought that was really telling to me you know I I I don't know if that's something permanent but I'll tell you this if 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 I if we're talking about the U.S. Open preview and I'm like, you know, I want to go back to this point about the Wimbledon podcast that Djokovic, he just didn't have that, that whatever you want to call it, killer instinct or um, there's just, there's that next level that he reaches. Without that, he's not the GOAT, meaning like he's maybe the number four player in the world, but he's not the number one player in the world. Um, and he's on notice for me. Um, I, I hope I don't see it, but... You know he's got to he's got to step up and and so I think the pressure is actually going to be uh, internal pressure. You know I think he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe no one else does, but he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He can I think he would admit that that quarterfinal match, although a tough and, and grinding and hard fought match, was not his cleanest tennis in the most important moments. You know he did not play the the big points as well as as Nadal did, obviously. Um, and that's, that's sort of a, a staple of Djokovic, um, especially if it's going to be a Djokovic that's going to dominate the, the time frame, like the last couple of years that he has. So that was a little chink in the armor there. Um, I'll be curious to see what, what happens now and um, to see if he's got that, that real level. Uh, looking at his draw, to be honest with you, there isn't much that's going to push him that way. Um, you know, I... I 
I think Kokonakis maybe can get a set off of him. You know, maybe, you know, like it, it's it's just, you know, and then you've got big servers, Opelka and, and Sinner could be dangerous. Vavrinka, if he gets through Vavrinka. You look at Isner, possibly, you know, Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, maybe, you know, like these are all, he's getting to the quarters, semis, almost automatically. Um, and he's not going to get really tested or pushed. So it's going to be... You know, I'm going to be interested to see what happens here. Um, if he gets through all of all of his draw, it doesn't necessarily mean to me, like I was telling everyone here about Nadal, like if Nadal's got the, the serve, the plus one, the plus two, watch out. Like he's going to win the tournament. With Djokovic, I can't give you that. I know Djokovic is going to be super solid and he's going to be the number three player in the world, four player in the world automatically. And he's most likely going to get to the semis or the finals pretty easily. And that button's not going to get tested until he plays, you know, some serious class players uh, later in the tournament. You know, for me, Parsa, I watched that match, obviously, like a lot of people did at the French. And what I thought was in the second set, you know, Nadal was up a double break, if you remember, like three love, going for four love. Yep. Joker came back and he won it. I don't know what, I, I, I apologize, maybe 6-4 or set, whatever the, the set score was. He played God mode in that second set. Djokovic like he was to me right now again I can't go back and say peak Nadal peak Djokovic peak Federer who's the best player ever if they're both playing max like the best best they can play like Federer at Wimbledon at his top top level Nadal at the French top top level Djokovic at Australian Open top top or US Open but in that match if you look at the highest level that they can reach right now for me, Djokovic is the best player in the world, especially against Rafa on any surface. At the top, top, like if they're both redlining their games, I think Djokovic is better than Nadal. Now, the caveat with that and the difficulty is can you sustain that for four hours, which obviously we've seen is not possible. And that's why Djokovic, among other things, strategic stuff that a lot of people that I've talked to have mentioned and a couple other things that Rafa did that he was able to win that match happened. But in my opinion, if, if, if Novak plays at the highest level that he's possibly able to play, he's still the best player in the world, especially right now with everybody who's around him at their age and at their abilities, right? Um, so that that's that's really what I think. But it's it's to me it's an interesting fortnight. It, this is the beauty of sport. You got twenty majors in your back pocket. You go into his trophy room. You know you could walk around there for five days. You know what I mean? In wherever it is in Serbia, wherever he has his trophy room. But he comes into this event, and I can guarantee you none of that matters for him. He just wants to win this tournament because that's what he needs to do, right? And that's the beauty of sport and these great champions. That's why they keep reinventing themselves and they go to the next level and they, they want to keep getting to that next level. So um, now another goat in the making is world number one, you know, on the women's side, uh, Iga Swiatek, who's won the French Open easily, won, I mean, what she won, like five, six events in a row, comes into the grass pretty much unproven, um, she's obviously the top seed and Parsa, what do you think about what she needs to do and, you know, going forward in terms of winning her third major and really saying, listen, the tour is mine. Barty is gone. Doesn't matter if Serena's coming back. Nobody else matters. It's, it's my show. 
you know, I'm, I'm running everything. This is, this is her next step, right? So yeah. she hasn't proven that she can make that next step yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure she's going to be able to do it here at Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, you know, the courts are a little slower, but it's, it's just a different surface. And usually you need to, you need a couple rounds, you know, a couple years here at Wimbledon to kind of figure out how to tailor your game to the grass court level in competition, you know, or the grass court game in competition. So I think there's a little bit of a learning curve, um, here for her. Um, she's obviously a, a phenomenal tennis player. Um, and I really love watching her play. Um, it's fun. She's tough. Um, and I think that's going to take her very far. It's just going to be a matter of if she can get through the first true skilled power player that she plays. Like, let's say if she plays a Muguruza in the quarters, and Muguruza's obviously, we know, if Muguruza's in the quarters, that means she's playing unbelievably well and she's locked in. You know, it could be a tough one for her. Um, it, I look at something like that uh, uh, as someone difficult. I look at someone like Jesse Pagula as well as someone who's a difficult matchup for Swiatek. She'll be taking the ball early and and pushing her around the court and you know you don't want you know it's good to be able to defend on the grass but you don't want to be exclusive defender you're going to lose um so you have to be able to hit um and you know while we're talking about the ladies if it's okay i just i have a couple other people i want to note here i watched Mm -hmm. uh halep playing and i was really impressed with her game and how she was moving the ball around the court um and her service seems to be improving under a more tag um and then my like real even though she's not a dark horse, it's only a matter of time, Nima. I'm pretty sure Coco is 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 coming, um, and she's going to be coming like multiple slams coming. Um, there's something about her, something I saw at Wimbledon. Uh, I'm sorry, at, at the French Open. Um, there's been a steady progression. There hasn't been any sort of reason to think she's going to dip and then come back and then go back and then come back and then you know back she's not like this she's not a volatile player she's only been rising only getting better own like what you saw at the french you know her game she started to mentally and strategically start to actually start to think um for the first time i think in her career you know and with pretty good results she was adamant that she was going to keep every ball in the court and automatically she got to the final you know not automatically obviously there's a lot of tough tough matches in there but she stuck to her guns and did what she was supposed to do and um you know i think she ran into someone who was just so super informed and better than her at this very moment in every way shape or form on that particular surface um but i don't know coco's coco's got me uh got me like huh um so i'm gonna say it right now whatever it is june 25th 2022 mm-hmm. uh, let it be noted um this one, this girl, she, she wouldn't surprise me if she's in the teens in number of slams won when it's all said and done. Um, she got there's there's something there. Um, I loved what I saw, and I haven't loved her in the past necessarily, but uh, I loved what I saw in the French. Um, so that's what I got for you on the women's side. I I think um, you know I think the top half is where it's at. Um, I think the bottom half is going to be a, a, just a little bit more of a you know, a mixed bag of what can possibly happen. And um, we'll see how it all unfolds. Okay. So we'll, we will get into the draw, uh, you know, preview in a, in a bit here. Uh, a couple more points that we want to talk about is getting back to the men's side. Matteo Berrettini comes back from uh, hand surgery. Uh, 
to date looks like grass is his best surface. He's the defending Wimbledon finalist from last year, losing in four sets to Novak. Comes in, wins Stuttgart. Comes in, wins Queen's Club. Uh, he's playing amazing. He's got that cannonball serve. He's got that nice slice. And he's got a huge forehand. And he's what I really like with Berrettini now, first of all, he seems like a really nice guy. I've never interacted with him in the media yet because he's relatively new. And it's been COVID for a couple of years, so I haven't you know, been able to talk to him or anything. But I really like that he's coming to the net and his volleys are looking pretty solid. And he's a strong guy. I don't think Parsa Berrettini is the best athlete I've ever seen, right? But he's just like brute force. You know what I mean? He's kind of like that American type of player, you know, like you guys make those really good forehand serve players like Jack Sock and, you know, all of these guys who have come and gone. And I think he's kind of in that mold. Uh, but listen, he, he's going to be a force here. There's no, like, is, would I be surprised if he's in the finals? 100% no. Right. Um, but he still has some relative flaws, in my opinion. One being that he's not the greatest athlete I've ever seen. Two, I think that his game doesn't have a lot of dexterity. So he kind of is like red line, like bang, bang, bang. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, what's plan B? You know what I mean? Like, is he going to start moonballing a bit? Is he going to start hitting angles? Is he going to come to serve in volley? What's what's the deal, right? Um, so that's that's what I think. And then his backhand is getting better. I don't think it's ever going to be like his forehand. And still a relative weakness for me. And his return of serve is okay. Obviously good, but it's not exceptional. So that's kind of my thought on Berrettini. But I want to know what you're feeling his vibe is for this, you know, this fortnight and how you see him progressing through the draw. Yeah, I mean, totally, uh, you know, in form to say the least, but you're absolutely nailed it. I mean, it's you need those gears when you know because you play Rafa he's going to take away your strength and you're going to have to figure out how to beat him some other way you know or you play Pass on the surface or any of these guys you know later in the rounds you're going to really have to figure out what you need to do um, because they're going to take your they're not going to allow you to play with your strengths necessarily now the serve and the plus one on on a grass court is going to be a lot more valuable than slower surfaces or other surfaces so there is definitely some advantage there, but um, you can't be a one-dimensional guy and, and win a slam. Um, can he get back to the final at Wimbledon? Definitely. Um, but if Djokovic is staying there, he's not winning that, that match. Um, so no. so uh-huh. he's, he's got to find a level that he has not yet reached, and it's great that he's comfortable on grass. We can clearly say that's his best surface, but I still think he's the number two, three player in the world on, on the surface. Yeah, I, I do agree. Now, getting to the man, another man of the moment, you know, you have Rafa, obviously, but then there's another Spaniard that everybody's come very familiar with in 2022, and his name is Carlos Alcaraz. And I mean, this guy is just like a house on fire, and he's really been uh, taking it to everybody. Had a pretty good French Open, right? He made the quarters. Um, Lost to Zarev, who played an amazing match. Uh, even though I think you were, I'm not sure if it was you that I was talking to, but somebody was telling me that they felt like his, his strategy wasn't that great uh, against, you know, Alcaraz's strategy wasn't very, like he didn't vary it too much against 
uh, Zarev, and that's why he didn't end up winning. But, you know, he comes into the grass. You know what I like about Carlos and his team is very professional guys, super professional. Ferrero is a super, super professional guy. Like, a lot of people know him from his playing days, but, you know, I know a lot of people who know him now, right now, and he, the guy is on it, eh? Like, they are monitoring everything this guy is doing, from his food to his sleep to his, you know, having fun, everything. Kind of like the Nadal type of lifestyle, right? And so he's coming in here, zero grass court prep. So there, he, he's he's treating himself pretty much like he's a top three player. Like, he's already won, like, five slams. You know <laughs> what I mean? And which is good, I think, because you have a, a super top tier talent in your, in your, at, you know, at your disposal here in your hands. And uh, but what what do we think for Carlos? I mean, he's coming in. I what has he done on grass? He's done nothing, right? So, but he is Alcaraz, and he's won a bunch of titles this year. We know he's dynamite. He's the talk of the tennis world on the men's side. You know, what are your thoughts on the young Spaniard? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, similar uh, type thing here. He's got a, a, a big serve, big forehand, and he can run, um, and he can volley. He can do it all. So yes. I think I think the major question mark is, does he have enough experience on, on a grass court? Um, you know, like, is how is he going to handle a, sip, a slippery, you know, day on the, on the fringes of, of the court? You know, stuff like that. You know, how to gingerly move and... Um, slide around and and do those kinds of things that he does, and I think I think he's the kind of guy and player that's going to become a looming threat as he gets deeper in the draw. Because the more times he survives, the more time he gets on the court, the better he's going to get. Um, a little bit of a curious, unless he's a little banged up or injured. Not sure why he didn't play anything, um, grass court wise, prep wise, um, you know. But other than that, uh, you know, I have no idea what the thought process was behind that um, because I think his biggest weakness is just a lack of matches on, on grass against top-tier competition. I mean, everything else, though, eventually he's going to be, you know, if not now, he's going to be very, very okay at, at Wimbledon. You know, he's, his game is, is all surface, um, you know, and, you know, I, I do appreciate that they're trying to monitor the number of matches he's played and, it is his first year playing this many matches at this level, so maybe that's the thought process, a little bit more long-term view and saying, all right, well, we didn't have your body prepared to play you know, these crazy best-of-five matches and winning all these tournaments that are best-of-three and going to the next week and doing it again and again and again. So perhaps it was like, all right, you need to take a break. You need to let your body like recover, and maybe in years two, three, four, five, they really step it up and, and play more when his body's more prepared. Just a theory. I have no idea. Yeah, and and um, I I think as well, like this guy can win the U.S. Open. Right. Like no, he, for me he's if not top three favorite, maybe top maybe the the top favorite. Like you know you like we're talking you know in a couple months now and he's gonna play obviously I think he's playing Hamburg. Which is which is a bit of a head scratcher for me. I think Hamburg probably paid him a lot of money to go there and, and play that. Um, and then he's obviously going to play uh, Montreal, Cincy, maybe another one. But I think he'll just stick with those two. Watch out for this guy. I think. I mean, he made the quarters of the U.S. Open last year. No reason why he doesn't 
win the win the tournament. I mean, I would not be surprised if Carlos Alcaraz is not your 2022 U.S. Open champion. So, kind of, I think they know that because he's really, really, really good on hard courts, and uh, that's that's maybe what it is. So there's, they're probably thinking it's a bit of a development period on grass. We'll give it a go. Obviously, we want to go as far as we can, but in the rearview mirror, you know. U.S. Open is right there, and we can definitely do some serious damage there. So that's what I think personally, but we shall see. Okay, Parsa. So before we get into the draws, let's talk a little bit about our dark horse picks. Um, the the tournament is obviously full of a lot of you know great, exciting up and coming players as well as past champions who have come back now and trying to still create some noise. So I'll give, I'll start with myself. Well, I'll give you a second to uh, think about what you you're gonna pick on the men's side. I'm actually going with Jack Draper, young uh, British player who's playing well. Lefty, it's a bit mechanical for my liking for overall development and progression throughout his career. But I think that he's feeling the vibe, he's feeling good. And he's, you know, he won a bunch of matches the last couple of weeks uh, in his home country and you know, people are gonna be behind him. He got to set off Djokovic last year in the first round of Wimbledon. So, as a, you know, he's good, he's a strong, really strong kid. And uh, he looks like he, he's he's putting in the yards and he's and he's working hard. So I'm going with uh, with with Jack Draper to to make some noise at Wimbledon. And on the women's side, I think, far as I think, that we can call Serena Williams a dark horse. <laughs> One because she doesn't have a ranking <laughs> and she hasn't played in a year, so she's not seated. And that's usually my criteria for for picking a dark horse. So I'm going with Draper and 23-time major winner Serena Williams as my dark horse on the women's side. What do you have before we get into the a quick draw preview here? Yeah, for the women, I think what my eye is on a uh, is on Katie Bolter. You know, I just want to see her. You know, progress. I think she's going to feel the love at Wimbledon and. Uh, um, you know, let's see if there's a little bit of a star in the making right there. Um, let's you know, on the heels of her of her um, victory over Pliskova, and um, you know, and although she she didn't necessarily build on it, um, I think there's an opportunity still. So I, I it's more like a desire that I want to see her progress. Um, but let's see if she's able to do it. Um, you know, and then on the men's side, you know, I. I it's tough, you know, because you already know that a seed is probably going to win the is most is hundred percent going to win the tournament. So it's who's unseated that is sort of can create some noise. And the only guy that I can really think of um, at this very second is Brandon Nakashima. I, I feel like he's got the kind of game where he moves well. He's very he's light on his feet. He's not going to have issues. Um, Actually, never mind. I forgot. I didn't know Nick Kyrgios is not seated. I mean, that's that's insane. Um, there you go. <laughs> it's insane, but he's also he's got a, a tough draw with Tsitsipas looming. Um, yeah. But, you know, but he could beat Tsitsipas. I'd be I'd be terrified if I was Tsitsipas. Um, so between those two guys, I think um, I, I'd be watching out for both of them. Uh, we all know that that Kyrgios is only good for a few rounds, um, but I think he's more prepared than than we've ever seen him. Um, I think he's he's been methodically working on his fitness. He's been a little bit more consistent. These are all going to be things that are going to enable him to go deeper in these slams and, and you know create some havoc. 
Um, so I'd be excited to to watch him, and you know he's going to fill the stands. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree. Okay, Parsa. So let's um, let's get into the women's draw quickly here. Uh, for me, I mean the stand standout names in the there's a bunch actually more than the men's in the sense of you know players that can actually i think do some damage here so in the top half i have schweitek muguruza sloan stevens bianca andrescu who's playing a final today in, in bad humburg uh, pagula badosa kvitova two-time former winner halep former winner goff as you you know alluded to a little bit earlier and samova who's good on the surface, and Pliskova, who, again, is good on the surface. And then we have Serena Williams as as the X factor. Bottom half, Daniel Collins made the finals of Australian Open. We have Raducanu, who's obviously going to be the talk of the tournament as long as she's in the draw, um, you, have, you know, reigning U.S. Open champion. We have Kerber, who's made the finals here. Um, or Did she win or did she make the finals? I know it's one of the two, I forget. But Ans Jabur, who's had a great year, Sakari, another you know tough player, Benchich, and then number two C Contabi. So it's there's a lot of I mean I wouldn't be surprised if anybody that I named there didn't win tournament. I think they all can win tournament. Just just the nature of of women's tennis these days is it's very up and down, right? But in saying that, I'm just gonna go straight to the finals here, Parsa. Go for it. And I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's gonna be <clears throat> it's gonna be Schweitek versus Benchich in the finals, and I'm saying that I'm I'm gonna go with Schweitek to uh, to to win the tournament. What wow. do you think? Wow, 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 wow. Um, I'm I I was gonna go semi, so I was gonna have a uh, Muguruza and that's fine and and Halep in the in the semis. Um, and I was going to have in the bottom half, I was going to have Radakanu, um, you know, triumphing against Bencic. Um, and then I was going to have Radakanu versus, yeah, uh, Muguruza. And, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to have, uh, Muguruza winning the tournament. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, wouldn't surprise me. If she wins the first round, that's that's the. If she wins the first round, she's gonna win the tournament. Um, basically, you know, if you remember, when was it? A year or two ago, she was down match points, um, in the first round, and then won the tournament. Um, so, you know, anything can happen with her. Um, the ball's going in. Watch out. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I think, for sure. I mean, she hits the ball very flat. And uh, and she's won this tournament before, so why not uh, you know give it another good go here? So it's going to be interesting. I, like I said, I think for me the the stories you know to develop. You know Osaka is obviously missing here with an Achilles injury, uh, but she's not really that great on grass. Uh, Schweitek and her dominance of the WTA are is and can can she continue that here is the main story. Radicanu, I mean. You know, people are going to be going bonkers if she can go deep into this tournament, especially being, you know, from 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 London, from being from England, and then Serena. 
I mean, Serena is Serena, right? So if, you know, those three storylines, if they can develop through this fortnight, it's going to be really good press uh, for the women's draw. Uh, so, Parson, now as we move to the men's, for the men's, I've kind of, this is what I have pretty much summed up top half. I have uh, Djokovic, Alcaraz, her catch, Murray, and Oscar Ada, who has, uh, you know, a pretty unknown German player, but he's pretty good on grass. And uh, he, you know, he did well, I think, I believe in Holly last week. And then in the bottom half, I have Berrettini, Sissipes, Fritz, Cressy, who are both actually Fritz and Cressy are playing later today in Eastbourne in the finals. We got Felix, we got Nadal, we got Silic, Kyrgios, obviously, as you mentioned. And then we also have Jack Sock and then Jack Draper. Um, Sock's qualified for the event. Draper is the up-and-coming um, home hometown player that I that I alluded to earlier. So, I mean, it's I, I think the only guy who's only two guys who can really hurt Djokovic in the top half are Alcaraz and Hercatch. Hercatch very impressed me a lot last week. I mean, winning Holly, uh, he's a great guy. Uh, I mean, the guy's got a huge serve, and I mean, it doesn't look like he's ever going to miss it. And he's, he's returning really, really well. Again, the grass in Holly is significantly different to London, to Wimbledon, so that's something to watch out for. But he did make the semis here last year. He smoked Federer in the quarters. Um, so it's definitely, you know, he can get right back there again. Alcaraz, as we mentioned, is unproven. And Murray was playing pretty well. But then he kind of got injured again, and with his, you know, with his history, with his recent history with surgery and you know hip replacement and injuries, just really not sold that he's he's good to go deep here. So that's why I really, you know, if he didn't get injured and he somehow won one of the tune-ups, then I, you know, I would have a little bit of a different thought process towards him. So I'm going Djokovic into the finals, and then in the the bottom half. I mean, for me, Sissipas still really not proven on on grass, even though he's in the finals of Mallorca this week, uh, playing today against Batista Agut. Um, Cressy could be a guy who could do some damage. I mean, he's tailor-made for this service. Felix, again, he's getting better and better, you know, and we, we've seen that in the last few months. Uh, Rafa is Rafa. Kyrgios could completely disrupt everything, and he's got a pretty good draw parcel. You know, I, it's it's funny because I love Nick, and you know I've been talking about the guy for ten years, and then I then it's like a love hate relationship, and then he's then he pisses me off because he's you know he does all this stuff on court, and you know he tanks, and then he comes back, and but he's had a pretty reliable and stable year, and if he he pulled out of Mallorca with an abdominal injury, to me that was more precaution than everything because he's playing three weeks in a row. I think he just wanted to hang out and chill in Mallorca. It's a, not a bad place to relax, Parso, yeah. as I'm sure you've heard. So I think that's kind of the thought process with that. Uh, but he's he's, in, he's at Wimbledon now and he's, he's getting ready to go. So he could, listen, if Kyrgios makes the semis, again, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but how can I, Parso, how can I not pick Djokovic in the Dahl final? I wouldn't feel good about myself if I didn't do that. So that's what I'm going with. And listen, I've come to you know have a much greater appreciation for Djokovic this year and even throughout the last couple of years, just based on what he's able to do. And his tennis really does speak for itself. 
However, I would love to see Nadal win three majors in a row. I think that would just set up the U.S. Open like has never, you know, just be an amazing, you know, storyline heading into New York. And I'm all about those. So I'm going to go with Nadal winning this tournament, even though he could lose second round if his foot is not good. And that's where I'm at. What, what do you think, Parsa? What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, it was well thought out uh, on the men's side. I, I, I feel that you've got two players that are above and everybody else. It's still the same sort of storyline. Um, you've got Alcaraz, who's, who's up and coming. You've got Berrettini, who can make noise. Um, but the other guys need to be hampered, and I'm specifically alluding to, obviously, uh, you know, Djokovic and Nadal. Um, I'm right there with you. I think, I, I think Rafa is, is there's there's just something um you know it's it's like a survival time in his career he's the greatest survivor athlete in any sport probably um when it comes to like being on the brink of anything he just is able to navigate those situations incredibly well all the time so consistent tactically very sharp the game is bigger than he's it's been for him um and, and really, it's just health is his nemesis, you know, it's, and we've spoken about this, Nima, for years now um, with health. When Rafa's healthy, you, you can't count him out. Do you remember how many times I, like, picked against Rafa in, like, let's say a final or whatever? It's just, you can't. It's, if he's healthy, he's going to win it. So, same thing here. If he's healthy, he's going to win. Um, so, I've got Rafa Nadal. And what a story that would be. So here's the thing, Parsa. Let's say Nadal wins this tournament. You know, we're 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 looking ahead a little bit because after this, you know, next time we'll touch base with everything is to complete our Grand Slam podcast series at the U.S. Open preview. He wins this. He heads into New York. 100%. He'll play, even if he has to get a new. I don't know. Whatever he has to do, he's going to be on that court. Um, it's it, after the French Open. That's his best set, Grand Slam. Because he's won four times in New York, right? Um, so it's going to be super interesting. And I mean, like, I, I, man, I can just imagine what ticket prices are going to be for his matches, especially if he makes the final. It's going to be, it's going to be insane. But it's, it's interesting, and that's why we watch. And you know, Djokovic gave us the same storyline last year, right up until the, the last possible match that he could, and he was just a bit jaded, you know, with all the guys that he had to play leading into that. Uh, and Medvedev won, but it's it's going to be fantastic, and and I can't wait to uh, to see it. So I, that's pretty much all I got for this week, Parsa. Do you have any final words before we sign off? No, it's just uh, it's fun. I can't wait to see how it plays out. For sure. So with that being said, everybody, uh, Parsa and I will be back in about a month and a half's time to preview the U.S. Open. In the meantime, you can follow Parsa at Parsa Samney on Instagram. You can follow myself at Tennis Connected. Uh, you can also listen to this podcast on iTunes, on, on Android, on many different platforms. Um, follow all of our coverage on Tennis Connected throughout Fortnite. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Be well. And uh, Parsa, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. And everybody, enjoy the Fortnite. Enjoy Wimbledon. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.